Eileen Carroll, welcome to the Cedar Better Conflicts podcast on online mediation and particularly uh, making an emotional connection in a virtual environment. Hi Ben, it's good to be with you again. So today we're going we're gonna to look at sort of the um, emotional or rapport building aspects of online mediation and I think you're a great person to speak to about this because before we actually started recording this podcast and I noted it down, you said one of the great joys that, that you get from life is being with human beings and working with clients. So I think this is a really interesting topic to talk with you about. And I think we'll start by talking about, you know, building rapport, making emotional connections, um, not just in mediation, but in all aspects of business activity and why it's so important before we go on to look at how we do this in the virtual environment. So why is it so important in mediation, let's begin with, to, to build an emotional connection with the people you're working with? Because you've got to build um, trust. You know, people have to feel comfortable. They have to feel safe. I mean, if you're dealing with mediation, you're dealing with conflict. And people are going to start to share their stories, potentially. But you've got to build trust with them. And you've got to build that sense of connectedness. So it's really, um, you know, you're, you're, they're putting a lot in your hands when they come and work with you and say, I've got this very difficult conflict. Because at one level, they're probably wondering why they haven't been able to resolve it themselves. So there's a kind of, you know, that can be quite frustrating that you haven't managed to solve it yourself. And then you're connecting with this professional, you know, you're meeting them and you kind of got to work out how it is, um, you know, that person's or their process is going to make a difference. So building that trust and kind of, I think, you know, and it's a process that's become much more interesting in the virtual environment. Um, but it's, um, you know, and I'm happy to talk to you more about how you do it, but I hope that answers your first question. Yeah, no, and it's one thing I think looking at, um, as we've transitioned from mediating in person to mediating online because of the, the pandemic, it's been one of the criticisms of online mediation uh, or things that people have been hesitant or reserved about. How am I going to be able to um, have that same level of human interaction? So. People might be quite um, yeah, hesitant about using online mediation, but I mean, it'd be good to get your, your experience and thoughts on this. Have you been able to establish those same levels of you know, human connection and, and build that trust with parties online as you have you know, been able to do um, in person? Yeah, it's been absolutely fantastic. I've been so surprised by it. You know, I think like everybody, um, there was that kind of professional concern about the technology, you know, the, the platforms, how will it work, etc. Um, but I quite quickly came to realise, and uh, my daughter pointed this out to me, you know, once you get that sort of mum, just forget about it. Just do what you always do and do it well. Um, and that's connecting with people. And of course, that's right. You know, we all, so I think the, I don't think too much now about the technology and the breakout rooms. For me, it's, um, you know, you pick up, think about before we even had this kind of technology, you know, back when, maybe before you were born, picking up telephones, that you would call people and you would have a telephone conversation and you can make that connection. Or even now when people, you know, call across the world, they didn't use their videos. You know, it's about that connectedness, that voice, that like, the conversation you're having, the content of the conversation. So what's brilliant about the video conferencing, and I don't know why um, myself and many others just didn't use it, um, is you've got the face. Like, we're, we know, we're doing this now, Ben, and we, I know it's not going to be, you know, 
thankfully. Um, you know, we're not going to be, uh, I haven't got my pajamas on or anything like that, but I'm looking forward to my haircut. But, you know, I can connect with you. I'm looking at your smile now. I'm watching your eyes dancing. Um, yes, I know you, so that's great. But I have been um, really interested in how quickly, and obviously different with different people, um, once you start to engage with people and talk to them, the fact you've got that visual as well, um, it's really, you know, has been incredibly easy to make connectedness with people. Um, and I think what's been particularly lovely is for me, it is about the clients, not just the advisors, but because of the issue of doing it differently, we've had the landscape to actually say, we want to meet the clients. And sometimes a lot of the, these mediations have been happen, happening recently. Clients have come in without advisors because they just want to fast track you know, they're not in litigation, so they come in anyway without without the um, lawyers. And some of these clients are quite used to using technology anyway, so they're not at all worried about having a video conference. They're completely used to it, not all of them. Um, so it's, so for some, it's even uh, it's technology they're familiar with, connectedness they're you know, very familiar with. And um, so it's been very, 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 very interesting. I, I just would not have realised um, how with what ease you can develop um, a relationship with people as long as you do it in the right kind of in the right way with the right integrity with the right kind of interest in them and make time to find out what the problems are what their team is thinking and that's all about the doing it somewhat differently to how we used to do it with the reading preparation, a couple of calls with lawyers and then a mediation day. Now I'm finding it's much more early connectedness with clients as well as advisors and building up um, those um, phases of communication before you have the final um, day or half day where you're bringing all the different strands together to work with you. Yeah, and before we go on, I just want to ask you about something you mentioned um, a minute ago, which was trust in the process or trust in you and your skills because that is an interesting point um, when it comes to thinking about the technology because the technology will take care of itself. It will work probably um, fine most of the time, but it will break down. There's nothing you can really do about that. And that's sort of a theme that came up um, when I was speaking to the CEDAR skills team, Susanna Shula and Felicity Stedman, about the mediator skills training they delivered online. And we were talking about um, the differences you know, doing it in person versus online, how they went about preparing for that. And they said yeah. to a point during their preparation where they realized, let's not overcomplicate this. Let's trust in the things that we know we do incredibly well. We know um, that we know work incredibly well and have served us well and have served the clients well for so long. So let's not overcomplicate it. You know, use the technology, um, but don't, don't complicate it unnecessarily um, because it will work most of the time um, but it shouldn't distract from what you do best. Um, yeah. which in their case, was was train people to be mediators, and in your case, is to actually mediate difficult conflict situations. And that's entirely right. I couldn't agree more. So I don't think I, I literally um, spend very little time now thinking about the technology. Um, and yeah, we do have. We had it yesterday. You know, um, someone drops offline, they come back. But you know, you're so used to that kind of. Okay, that's fine. And and in fact. You know, it kind of, um, even the fact of technology breaking or having to kind of re-admit somebody, um, 
that pause, everybody kind of sees the human side of things. You know, it's something everyone can relate to. So it's not such a big deal. And so, you know, being relaxed about it, I think, is incredibly important. Um, and um, for people not to be concerned, I, I, the other day I had one where... Um, the guy just couldn't get in at all. So we ended up with um, some of us on, most of us on screen. And the other individual, I just have my mobile by the screen with a speaker. And again, it's about just making him feel at ease. That's fine. Everybody else could hear. Are we cool with this? Yeah, we are. That's fine. So again, I think what we've all seen in the last um, 15, 16 weeks is as human beings um, faced with such a universal crisis, you know, how, how adaptable we are. You know, so everybody has adapted. Um, and, and for some people, it's, you know, incredibly um, difficult. So I think those of us who are busy adapting um, realise and, and are seeing new things. It's actually created an opportunity for us to see, goodness, why did we do it that way? Why did we spend all that time travelling? Why did we, you know, we actually, what I'm finding with clients um, so far as what they really like, they say, Eileen, gosh, this is so accessible. I was working with a manufacturer a few weeks back um, and he was actually in his factory. Um, the only slight mistake I made, but again, he, he had a colleague and I made the mistake of asking the colleague to come a bit closer, which point the CEO dived under the desk and I had to say, oh, I'm really sorry, I'm forgetting the socially distanced rules. Um, but, you know, I don't think there's been an outbreak of COVID there, thankfully. Um, but, he, but even hearing his story that, you know, his manufacturing business they're sending people they're doing all the um, installations here on zoom so he's just changed the shape of his business so again we started to talk about you know what's happening in his business and how, how that's operating um and and all of those kind of conversations took place you know during the during the mediation um as well as the hilarity of the um mistake over socially distancing but all of those things, because he's in his factory. So we're talking about his factory and his product and what, what business has been like and what it's looking like for the future and the order book and about this dispute and why it would be good to get rid of it, et cetera, et cetera. Which feels very different to have been sitting in a London law firm with me. Yeah, no, it's an interesting point. I, I wonder if, we, if we're just thinking about, you know, making those connections with people and building that rapport. Is there something to be said for the fact that in this case, this gentleman was in an environment that he was wholly comfortable in, in which he was the boss, so to speak, yeah. put people more at ease and, you know, make them more susceptible or comfortable with the process. No, I think, well, I think from his point of view, um, it was actually, it is worth reflecting on this one because this particular problem, neither one of the clients, the other client was based in the south of the UK and was, um, they, they had, they'd refused to mediate previously because neither one would travel to the other spot. <laughs> Um, and and suddenly, suddenly presented, ah, virtual. Well, okay, then we'll do it. Um, so that was really, really interesting. Um, so he was in his factory and the other individuals were in their home and uh, in different homes. But, yeah, it definitely made a difference. Um, and I think they would have been happy a year ago to do it virtually if they'd realised or we'd even, you know, be offering We've offered virtual telephone mediation in two or three-hour disputes for a very long time, but we haven't been offering to do this in for seven-hour days or any you know, the other kind of... Uh, we've always said people have to be present, and we've made quite a thing of the physical presence of decision-makers in person. Um, and I think this has opened all our eyes to, um, yeah, 
why. And actually, from a client point of view, you know, we we have to wait and see how we all feel in six months' time, but I'm most interested in what the clients are thinking. Yeah. And that's, you know, maybe we'll we'll discuss this later on, but looking to the future, ultimately what this has done um, is add another string to the mediator's bow to say, this is a service we offer. It's incredibly effective. We're very comfortable with it. Would you prefer to do it this way with in-person mediation remaining an option? Yeah. Because, you know, speaking about that or looking at that particular case you just mentioned about neither side wanting to travel um, for whatever reason, the online environment is entirely neutral. Everyone comes to it on their own terms and there's no uh, perceptions of lack of neutrality or being uncomfortable being in a big London law firm office or, or wherever it might be. So that's maybe, a, a, you know, something to think about. You've hit the nail on the head, Ben. I mean, so many, um, we know that um, so much burn time in agreeing what the venue is. There's been loads of burn time over the years, not only who the mediator, but who's, where's the venue? And then, you know, and, and you just think of client costs on that um, when this just sweeps it, sweeps it all away. Um, and the other thing that, um, talking to another friend of mine in the States last week, um, he was mediating something where um, the parties would normally have travelled very great distances. And they didn't, it was quite complicated, they didn't reach a settlement that day, but it was obviously easy to reconvene it. So he just said, it's fine, it's very difficult, um, I'm, I'm reconvening it. And um, everyone agreed, because no one's getting on a plane, and reconvening it is not a problem. But in our person-to-person life, um, there would have been a lot of anxiety about all the expense of getting on a plane and coming back. So... Um, I think that's also quite interesting. And the walkout scenarios that we all remember. Um, yes. you know, I'm going, I'm off, I've got your coat on. Well, you don't get that um, because you can sense, you know, you can, I think there is an issue about how long you spend. You talk about emotional connections and emotion, and you've got to think about energy and physical energy and tiredness. So I was talking to another, um, one of our mediators who was, um, actually it was a different environment, um, it was in an arbitration environment, but that they had spent 18 hours on in virtual over two days. And they were just saying that was actually very, very exhausting um, and always made you feel um, physically, you know, uh, very different. And so I think that um, we do need to think about energy, which is part of the emotional piece. And um, I, what I'm finding also, the fact that you can say to clients, you can leave, you know, obviously just turn off your video, turn off your mute, keep your virtual room, um, go and have a coffee, go for a walk. Um, and you just, you know, and so people feel more free. Yeah, they're in their home environment, so they can or go. their factory. Or, yeah, exactly, or, or wherever. wherever. So wherever, and as we go forward, if this, you know, if there is a, a tail on this, which I believe there will be, um, you know, people will be maybe not in their home, but their more local environments, which, you know, Fit their um, fit their day, fit their needs. Some may worry about whether people will then get distracted, um, and will they stay emotionally involved with the dialogue? So I can, you know, but I think that um, there are. Um, I don't think that is just about people having physically present because the other, well, talking about energy and emotions, I've in the, in the person-to-person mediations, the number of times I've walked into the room. I thought, oh my goodness, I really need to move these people around. You know, first of all, let's get rid of the sandwiches, which is taking away all the air. There's too many people in this room. They look exhausted. 
and they might even be a bit bored, <laughs> you know. So you're always thinking, I, I need to move them. I need to change the energy. I need to make something else happen here because how can they keep focused? How can you keep their commitment and will to do, to settle? And um, so I think if you think about them being in a different environment where you can give them breaks and they can still be having their connectedness with their teams virtually without you there, but they've got more freedom. Um, and I think that could be very, very beneficial in terms of keeping energy and commitment to some of the scenarios we've seen in um, person to person. To play devil's advocate, you talk about the, the, the flexibility or the freedom for people to, to maybe leave for a short period of time or even end the mediation there and come back another day. Is there something to be said for um, in in-person mediations when people make that um, physical and, and financial commitment to be there in person in um, in a particular place with those set of people on one day does that help to to focus the minds you know on settlement on getting achieving something and is that something we're potentially losing with online mediation you know I think you, you in certain situations I can see that you know particularly if people are quite close to um, uh, a real crunch point where there was a trial or something else is happening, a year-end in accounts or some other pressure point, which is, and then it's taken a long time to get the commitment to get this, the various decision makers. So that will have taken a lot of energy and burn. So once you've done that, you obviously do think, yeah, there's this, we've got to get it done. So how do we end up working till 2 a.m., 3 a.m.? You know, um, absolutely, you can think of those scenarios. Um, you know, I can think of one about oh, many years ago, one of my favourites, you know, it, 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 clients flew in from all, all, all kinds of places. We started on a Monday and we finished on a Friday. And, you know, it was, in, we settled six actions. It was incredibly successful, but yeah, very draining for everybody. And there was definitely a feeling, well, they've all flown in. So that's good. But, um, so there was that commitment, but I wouldn't like to say that you can't get that commitment, that you have to force people. I think it's going to be so interesting. Um, I'm going to be interested to see how the business community react in terms of things they would have got on planes to fly to New York to do a meeting. Will they now decide that actually, no, I'll do it more, more virtually? That's on, but on the other hand, um, is there something really good about sitting down with people over, over a dinner, you know, sitting down over breakfast and having a coffee and a croissant and just have, you know, make it really breaking bread together. Yes, there is. So I can certainly um, think of situations um, where I've been involved in long-term projects where I've taken clients out, we've kind of gotten to get to know each other better. All of those things are, are really important in terms of emotion, connectedness, sharing stories, about family, about sports interests, about your aspirations, you know, and how do you do that? And obviously when you have more time and space to do that over a meal, um, yeah, you, you start to build um, a sense of um, connectedness with people and the kind of, yeah, maybe get to like them. You know, you might disagree about whether you're going to do a deal or not, but there's bits of them you actually get to like and it's reciprocated so it means that you can agree more, you know, in a more agreeable, you can disagree in a more agreeable way. Yeah. So that kind of respect that comes once you see, you think about their families, their sports, their other things, you build kind of a sense of um, being more willing to listen to them and even the tough stuff. So I don't think it is, you know, it's all one size fits all. 
I think, but I think it's about opening our minds to what are we trying to do here, which is to create listening environments, um, to give people the space to be heard, um, for them to feel that um, their story's understood. And whether that's a, you know, a guy who's running his manufacturing business up north and, and the, the problems he's having in his business and, and the other client to, to hear their story, that's really important. Um, I think sometimes I feel that people might um, align the issue of emotion too narrowly, just thinking about it in family context or employment context or partnership. But my experience of mediating and conflict is emotion is deep running in every dispute in terms of um, people's sense of frustration, anger, frustration over the contract, um, you know, or, or just a worry of money running out, you know, which were happening now with COVID um, even, even more dramatically, but the kind of the emotions you feel, the tension you feel. Um, so you've got to, people have to have somewhere to put that. Yeah, no. And, 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 to express it. Yeah. And I think the online environment, from what I gather from you and other mediators, is it still possible to tap into that, to give space for those emotions to surface and, and be dealt with properly in the online environment as, as it would be in person. So I think that, like you said, that's that's the fundamental importance behind it. Yeah, well, it's interesting because I was thinking of another one where we were very close to settlement and there was an individual who, she had not said much all day and we were so close to the deal. And I went back into the private breakout room and she kind of leaned forward and looked at me and her husband had done most of the talking. But I could see, you know, and her son was in another virtual room somewhere else. But I could see she was asking, you know, have you got, I know you want to say something at this point. Well, how are you feeling? I said, how are you feeling? This is like 4.30. And that just brought an avalanche <laughs> of how she was feeling. And, and I thought, okay, well, this is really, really important. You know, she needs, she needs, she's telling me this and she's very frustrated um, and this needs to be conveyed to the other room. We're at a really critical point. And so it was really, really important. So it was possible to do it. You know, it was possible to, because it is about noticing. Just so I, wa I was watching, I was watching her when I went back in and then just noticing the kind of movement of her body near it coming forward to the screen. And then just me asking that question uh, and realizing she hadn't spoken very much. But yet she was, she was a, you know, a co-founder of the business. And I just thought, I really want to know what she's thinking, what she's feeling. And I think it, we did settle it. And I think it made, um, that was a very important moment. Um, so I, it's, it, I think the more we're all doing this, we're all continually learning and observing stuff. And um, it's still, you know, for all of us, still relatively new to be doing this, our work in this way. Yeah, and I had the, the uh, good fortune of interviewing a couple of weeks ago uh, one of your CEDA colleagues, mediator colleagues, Gillian Carroll. And she was saying one of the, the great things about the journey that we're all on with this um, virtual operation is that there is down the line going to be the option to mediate in person, but it's about how we combine the two types of processes. And she said, whereas traditionally pre-mediation contact or post-mediation contact may be done over the phone, the um, people being more comfortable with video t uh, conferencing technology is actually really interesting because she said she had a client who, when you spoke to them, didn't give much away with just what they were saying, but actually their body language and their facial expression told a completely different story. And in the mediation contact and the post-mediation contact, 
She did it via um, virtual, uh, via video conference and got so much more out of that than just on the telephone. So it's very interesting to see oh, how no, it's going to work together. Yeah, it's amazing because I was thinking back and I, Gillian and I spent an hour um, on the phone together last week. She's got a lovely voice. Um, I was thinking a big thing about voice. So it kind of, again, tone, intonation, changing the kind of up and down, um, all of that. I mean, and even even using your hands, moving your hands. I mean, when I was talking to Gillian, she was actually standing up. Um, the kind of room in which you're sitting. Um, I was going to say in relation to her story about the um, using the phone, I can think a couple of years ago with one of the big institutions, they put nine clients on the phone. I had no idea. You know, I had all these different voices coming at me and I'm on the end of a telephone. Whereas three weeks ago, I had five clients from the business and I immediately see them all on the gallery. And I go around and say hello and I've got their names and, you know, it was much, much better experience than having the nine clients on the telephone um, where it's just everything's coming at you and you're trying to work out the different voice and who's speaking. Yeah. So this is a much better, much, much better medium. Um, and so I think we can all look back on some of the history of things and see how, um, yeah, I think we've, we're, we're, we're in, as Gillian said, um, we're in an evolving process. We've now been granted the opportunity to learn from it um, and to take the very best from it. Yeah, and I'm looking directly at report building. One, one other thing that Gillian said was um, she f- has found with the mediation she's done online so far, she's done much more pre-mediation work with clients, whether it's uh, running through the technology or whatever. And that's giving her a greater opportunity to make that one-on-one connection to talk about things, and which which is she felt served her well when it came to mediating because you'd had a greater opportunity to build a connection or make, you know... Oh, it's, it's completely essential. Going. Yeah, and in fact, it's funny because you there's been a lot of talk among the community about, you know, giving everyone dress rehearsals. But again, I think the amount of, um, you know, telling them there's a breakout room and taking them there and making a little joke about the virtual journey and hope they're not dizzy as you move them around the rooms... That's all a tiny amount of what's going on. I was working with clients a few weeks ago and um, just one team. It was um, in the private um, build-up before the final kind of joint session many days later. And I realized from a team point of view, they they were very, from my point of view, I thought they haven't really worked a strategy out. Um, so, of course, I just said to them, I'm going to put you in a in your virtual breakout room and I'm going to go and have a cup of tea because I think you need to have more of a chat and I'm going to come back and talk to you. Um, And that worked incredibly well. So you actually, um, for me, I would say now that the mediation or facilitation works starts right from the moment you're given the project. So, you know, I'm working on something else, which I mean has now been going on for several weeks. We're talking, you know, we've had um, private team meetings with them privately. Um, yesterday I convened a meeting with just the lawyers to talk about agendas and we got much more out of that conversation um, and actually div- and also a discussion around what more information should be shared. Um, much better than previously because they hadn't met so on screen they meet um, and um, the session was booked for an hour and it ended up we went for an hour and 45 um, and de- definitely building um, rapport, understanding, collaboration, connectiveness. Um, you know, we're talking about the project, the date we've booked. Well, that might be phase one, because actually we've now agreed that that should cover certain areas. 
but it might be premature to get all the way to the finish line and therefore phase two might take place beyond that date. So all of that, um, I really am feeling a much greater willingness to do this in a different way. Um, and, and, um, and, and people are saying that, gosh, that's so useful. It's so useful. So we're making the lawyers connect in a way they hadn't connected because they're visually coming on and they're collaborating with you, the facilitator, mediator, um, around the needs. Um, and so, frankly, the experience is, um, you know, in, in that is very much better, I think, so far. Having spoke to you quite extensively about mediation uh, recently and in the past, and having um, observed you mediate, one of the things that you're very keen on and are very, very good at from what I observed is picking up on the sort of nuanced dynamics within teams and thinking about, well, how can we get the most out of this process by um, sort of mixing up the combinations of people? And is that something you've been able to continue to do with ease in the online environment? Say, well, we need to have the two decision makers together without the lawyers, or let's put the lawyers together. Or I think one, this, this person from the team uh, is maybe a hindrance uh, on this issue because, you know, of, of whatever, for whatever reason. So we're going to leave them out. And just, just thinking about yeah. the combinations, that's something you're still able to do. Completely. I mean, again, you know, it's about, it's about back to relationships and trust. Um, and of course, yeah, technically, you know, you, you, you've got control over moving people, but you know, you do, you do it with respect. So you talk about why you'd like to do this. Um, and actually quite interestingly with you know, using your phone as well. So you know, I was, um, nominated team leader. So I've also had experience where you're actually having this conversation in this case with a lawyer. Um, and obviously he's on his phone or, or she's on the phone and, um, you're saying, well, actually, they're not actually with their virtual team at this moment. So you get sidebars you can have. So I also have everyone's mobile phone numbers um, as well. So, yeah, absolutely. There's no um, – I find that it's, um, it's incredibly similar and that you, you can do all of the above. You can do all of those things. Um, I think, the, um, I think the, the thing is, if you think about um, – I was talking to Phil, uh, Phil Williams, you know, our wonderful colleague who spent 25 years as a hostage negotiator, and just thinking of all his work. I mean, you know, he wasn't physically present. He's actually, you know, if you think about their way, it's all about voice, calming down those situations, making that connectiveness, building trust in this terrible situation to try and save lives. So when you actually think about what you have to do and the kind of um, skills, you know, it is about having a real sharp focus on what's going on, about real patience, you know, and, and actually waiting you know maybe waiting longer actually with the tech to make what do people want to say you know and and basically it's still about using the right language it's still about summarizing um i was mediating actually a few weeks back with james south um and um, i was uh, the observer in that and i said to him i was really impressed actually um how well he summarizes but you know that's really quite important so that you people do feel they've been heard so that kind of, you know, all the things CEDA teaches, when you actually look back at the course and I've been thinking, God, all of this stuff is, you know, it is what creates that relationship of trust. If you, can you do that? Can you create that safe environment where people feel they will be listened to, that you actually then create the environment where it's possible for the other party to acknowledge 
Um, and see, that's what we're doing all the time. Um, and that's why if you just talk to someone like Phil and compare it to that world, um, where the outcome of it goes wrong is so much worse, but you know what's at the heart of it is active listening. Yeah, well, that's an interesting point because maybe it's going to hone that particular skill because speaking of Phil, one thing he says about listening is, when were you ever taught to listen? You were taught to, as a child, yeah. not to listen. And perhaps in this virtual world and the world we're currently operating in, we, we lose one sense, which is perhaps the touch for the handshake, but maybe it will hone or heighten our ability or our desire to actually listen to people. Well, that's interesting because you talk about touch. When Phil and I were talking last week, he, um, I was, he said, oh, I was so touched. And you think about the metaphor, I'm so touched. But you haven't actually physically touched the person, but you've, you've heard this conversation and they've done something really good for you. And, and then you say, and you genuinely say, oh God, I'm so touched. I'm so touched by that. And what you mean is you are emotionally connected by their generosity um, that they've actually taken the time to listen to you. I mean, you know, Ben, you and I'm sure if we just reflect and think of any times, or, you know, or anybody now in the last 12 weeks, it would be very extraordinary, I think, if anyone listening to this hasn't had any moment of anxiety. Now, I don't know whether you're the exception, but I certainly have had moments of anxiety. And I'm sure we all have, and some more than others. But if you, if you have also had the gift of being able to talk to somebody, you know, whoever that is, and they have genuinely made time for you and allowed you just to express what your anxiety is. And they haven't judged it. They haven't kind of tried to second guess it. They just let you express it. You know, you do feel incredibly appreciative and you do feel like you've been, you do feel, I think as human, you feel, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so touched by the fact that that person gave me that time because it's such a gift. And that's what we're talking about, really. We're talking about humanity, about how we can affect each other. So when you think about those, our senses, I think we can, we can replicate those things through the um, art of connectedness, which is being asked to connect now in a different way with each other, or just to focus on um, you know, the, the voice, the listening, um, not so much, unfortunately, the sharing of the meal. I'm looking forward when you and I can sit somewhere nice and have a lovely glass of wine um, or some other beverage. You know, when I do miss that. Um, Whiskey, yeah. I don't think we're doing any Scottish dancing anytime soon. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, but we can, we can dream, we can dream. Yeah. So, you know, those are all things we want to do. And, um, we, and I love people and I love parties. Um, so, you know, but we know those aren't on the, on the menu for the moment. <laughs> no, but something to look forward to. But on that note, Eileen, thank you very much for your time today. Okay, my pleasure.